Two pew pew pew. I hope you're all in your church seats and ready for this. Yes, we have a very exciting episode. Um, oh, very. I guess we can just cut right to the chase and say that we do have a special guest for today's exciting, Ooh. thrilling podcast. Ooh. And I think that you should do the honors of introducing them. Oh, yes. Well, she is a uh, Glamazonian aristocrat, but not too fancy to wear plastic, uh, especially garbage bags. She hails from that sunny, sunshine state of Glamtron. She is a, a true businesswoman of knack and know-how, and um, she has a very large, penetrating brown eyes, many at the times. She is uh, the wonderful, tall, lanky, musical businesswoman with the mostest, the undisputed queen of snakes. She is your friend and ours, Alaska. Good afternoon, Alaska. Hi, how's it going? <laughs> I'm pretty well. <laughs> We're so excited to have you here. You are a, you're a, a mixtress of, of the podcast aren't you yeah totally yeah yes so welcome to our our little hoedown here ho up or hoedown whichever way you you really prefer or all around thank you so much pew yes. pew pew oh i'm so glad there i did it yes you did it i did you it did catchphrase. it's the inaugural pew 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 can i have some of your almond milk yes we're so. si- we're all literally sipping tea so wait where are you sam well, You're I'm it. in I'm in Kentucky. My lovely friend Chelsea uh, graciously offers me her um, her office when Love I that. podcast because the area that I am, I steal the wife fry from the coffee shop across the street. So wow. it's a little too weak for the podcast. Um, okay. But I have a lovely little office which has good sound absorption, so that there's not too much of an echo. So yes, thank you, Chelsea, for. Helping us make wonderful, wonderful content. And you guys are back Chelsea. in uh, California now? Yeah, we're at my house in Los Angeles. Oh, wonderful. Los yeah. Angeles. Hopefully I'll be there sometime in February. I know. So, Sam and I have a marathon of recordings to do for season two. I'm very excited about it, Sam. Yes, and also birthdays to celebrate, um, which is one thing that we have in common, uh, Alaska. We are, we are both Pisces. Oh, so my I goodness. Constantly, I constantly oh. have to apologize to, uh, to Jeremy for uh, adding more and more Pisces to his life. <laughs> what, hey. is, what is that phrase? You posted it recently. It was something like um, patterns or something that you can do. Something about patterns. Oh, you know is they for Pisces? Are there no, patterns? it's not about. No, it's that you you attract friends that are Pisces. You do. Yes. I attract friends I that are Gemini's. Yes. So go figure. Go yeah. figure. It's 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 the mutable fan club, right? Like we have lots of uh, Sagittarian and Virgos. Like Sharon's a Sagittarian. She should have known better than to have ever given me 
No, her mom. Sharon's mom, Joan Cody, gave me the birth information. So I have Sharon Needle's chart, but I'm keeping it to myself. I'm keeping it to myself because no one needs to know all the darkness that's inside that chart. Yeah. Just kidding. And our friend Nick is a Virgo. There's some Virgo folks around. So those are the four. Those are the four members of the Mutable Coven. So the water signs. Not to totally derail this yeah. like already in the first four minutes but are you familiar with uh chinese birth charts because I know it's really that interesting that it, they go it with breaks like different down animals. a lot more well they have yeah. the the hour and the day and the year which most people are familiar with the year so like for instance i'm the year of the ram but if you break it down more there's like a lot of other aspects to it and also yeah. it does it by element so like for example i have like nine percent water but i have like 96 percent fire which they can go or i guess it's not percentages it's it's by number they can go over 100 but if you have like low water then water is your lucky element so you need more water in your life and you need less fire because you have a shit ton of fire so yeah yeah anyway that's an interesting interesting. thing you should check it out yeah i tend to Checking it out. I tend to do astrology not overly esoterically. I kind of do it the way you described. Like it's the elements. Like some people are very emotionally sensitive and I would check on their water levels. And some people are like have their head in the clouds and they're overly intellectual. And then I would check to see where their air is. And then if they're passionate, but they can be like confrontational and bothersome, I would look at their uh, fire. And if they're kind of stubborn or actually quite successful, but maybe not the most adventurous, I would look at their earth. So like, that's kind of the way I do it. So not that, but the point is I'm in a Pisces sandwich right now, which is not at all. That's the new name of the podcast. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Let's move on away from the tartar sauce. And the fact that you're both vegetarian. So fish is probably not appetizing. Yay. Oh, that makes me very happy. Yeah, you're yep, so but I vegetarian. We should probably move into um, our topic for today because since we have drag royalty joining us today on the show, your very good friend Alaska, we thought that we would finally have a drag episode, which we've been asked to do time and time again. So, R A G, what's it got to do with you and me? Hey, Alaska. Hi, Alaska. Uh, talk about drag. <laughs> good. So let's deep dive right into drag. The state of drag 2020. What <laughs> is what is um, inspiring you, Mercs Alaska? What is also um, what are your what's on your mind about drag these days? Uh, oh my goodness. Um, What's the state uh, of the union? Well, I mean, the I know the state of my union. I know what you know what I'm interested in at the moment, which is I'm interested in sort of becoming, but I'm sort of, I'm I'm sort of calling it Operation Local Girl working title. Yes. Because I want to, I have, I feel like I haven't really had a chance to dig my 
my roots into Los Angeles, which is where I live. And like, there's so many amazing drag performers here. This is where I started doing drag. And since I moved back here, like since Drag Race, my journey has been, I am flying over there and I'm working over there and I'm flying to this place or whatever. So I haven't, so this is a time I've set out with the intention of, I want to fortify drag in Los Angeles for myself and also like share and uh, elevate uh, people who work here and who live here and who do drag here. And I already have gotten to do a little bit of that, and it's been really fucking fun. Awesome. Brilliant. Grassroots, local. Because I And I say this every city I go to. It's, you know, we, we celebrate the girls who have been on TV or the girls who have been on Drag Race or, or whatever. But really, the queens who are there every single week or every single night and representing that city and that region, they're working their fucking asses off and they're the face of that community and of that city. And so, I mean, what they're doing is like so inspiring and so important to me. And so, um, I don't know. I just, I like that. Yeah. I think it's really important too. I mean, it extends past drag where it's, if you, the thing that you have most control over or the most immediate control over to make change is your local community. So whether that's like supporting local Mm -hmm. artists, local coffee shops, um, or as a business owner, supporting people within your community, giving them jobs, giving them opportunities. I think that's really good. And I think, um, do you think that this is a trend that we might start seeing? Because drag has become hugely popular and it's definitely become a, a, a global sensation. Jeremy and I have talked about this quite a bit where a lot of the times when things get so big, the backlash is that people that excel in that community start to withdraw and become more local or um, start doing things on a smaller scale. Is that something that you're seeing? Well, I think that as we move into the future and, you know, I mean, the drag race economy certainly is like, is still booming and is still growing. But for me, for me, like the future I like to envision is uh, really specific. So it's not like smaller, but it's mm-hmm. like specific right. uh, experiences. Like, for instance, we've done... Uh, we've done a few shows in New York uh, at $3 Bill, and they've been really specific themes for a specific audience. And I think that that it hasn't just been like, hey, come see the person you saw on Drag Race. And, you know, it's yeah. it's a drag show. It's like a drag show, but it it has a very specific theme for a very specific set of people. And I think that uh, I think that's very exciting to me. It's it's very like um, rewarding, and everyone in that room uh, speaks the same language. So, for instance, we did a Lady Gaga show. We did a fucking show about a Star Is Born. We called it a Star Is Born this way. So it's a Lady Gaga fanatic insanity show for Lady Gaga insane fans. So only people in that room knew the. Or, there were only people in that room who knew every word of Lady Gaga's songs and uh, things that she said in interviews. 
And so like over serving a really specific audience, I think I think that's an interesting avenue I would like to explore. I don't know if that's an overall trend, uh, but that's what I'm interested in. I think also, though, I mean, I can totally understand that where if you're an artist, you don't want to continue to you want to continue to explore things that are interesting to you or create um, create ideas that are more I don't know what the word would be like concentrated um, than sure. just like okay this is like let's just continue to celebrate my overarching career rather than like okay there's this like particular thing that I'm very interested in right now let's do something themed around that it, it's probably better for the artist right to be able to explore those types of things and expand their 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 creative muscles yeah 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 I, and like historically like i think having watched so much of it is like so much of what we've done is based on a theme right like in the broader sense like the the theme for folks is you've seen these drag queens on television or perhaps right. in a web series you've it's, seen them it's on drag race or dragula which was the biggest selling point rather than like this is a artistic expression yeah. that we are aiming to explore right yeah but there are also these traditions like on the west coast you have like uh mother which mm-hmm. is um which used to be um a show and i will call the show by its historical name so be aware that it's a historical name tranny shack Mm-hmm. was a group of storytelling weirdo drag queens that was <laughs> organized by Heclina um, decades ago. And when uh, Heclina found a home for a number of years in Soma in San Francisco, mm-hmm. the Saturday night shows were based on these themes. If you look at Oasis SF's website, you're still going to see a theme. There's a diva there's a pop culture icon, there's a K-pop, like, club nights have themes, so I don't think it's out of the ordinary for drag to have themes. And, like, because you're dressing up in drag, like, it helps people feel um, grounded and focused in what they're going to do. So there's, like, a Night of a Thousand Stevies in New York City, which has been going on for a while. Like, a Night of a Thousands are really great way to celebrate what people have connections to and i think like this is also like very helpful to maybe younger folks i don't know like because there, there there's so many cons there's comic con and drag con and maybe gamer con and like furry, know, furry conventions con. and furry conventions so like when you and you have focus you're 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 clarifying who your community is so exploring the things that that you know you want to explore Alaska and the things that we do when we do cabarets we do a share show we do a Stevie Nicks show we do these are the gayest things we love show which is not focused on a diva but many a diva for whom bring out the unicorn rainbow glitter vomit that we experience in ecstasy when we listen and commune around the the queer icons that we love. So that's my perspective. Like, yeah, do specific things. They're one-off, they're ephemeral, they're magical. So um, when you have someone who is, um, who knows about uh, the, 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 the logistics and, 
you had so much experience doing this in uh, at Blue Moon when yeah. you were with Sharon for years. You always did a themed show at the Blue Moon. Yeah. So I think themes are a very healthy and important way to explore your creativity. Hmm. Well said. I actually have a question just in regards to, uh, so I had a conversation with someone recently uh, and they asked me, cause I do, I do leather work. Um, I have like, I have a small fetish line which is sort of tantamount to me like selling candy bars at the, on the subway at this point. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's better than, it's better than nothing. And I've always related it to drag in the sense that when I'm making gear for someone, I want them to be able to change their identity and explore a facet of themselves that they don't get to experience in their sort of in, in their day-to-day life. Yeah. Do you think that drag is a blanket term for any type of expression that you're putting on some kind of garment to change your identity? Or do you think it's has, has more specifications than that? Because I question that sometimes too. Like, am, is what I'm manufacturing drag? Is it fetish? Is it both? Like, where does the drag begin and end for you? Wow. Sorry, I know. I'm pretty proud of me, proud of myself for thinking of a good question though. So there we go. <laughs> She's prepared. Yeah, I mean, it is a good question. I mean, RuPaul says uh, you're born naked and the rest is drag, which uh, which I I definitely uh, I radically agree with. I believe that uh, I don't know if it's cultural or if it's metaphysical or, or what it is, but I believe that clothing and garments have power and they have energy to them and they alter the way that you behave and the way you move and the way you feel. And I, I don't know if that's just, you know, brought down the line from culture and commerce and, you know, it, it, industry, or if it's like, but there's also like vestments that are like religious and spiritual, uh, that have significance and power, like the headdress in the, in the, uh, in the Native American uh, culture, these things have power, like they have magic in them. So I think that is drag because I know that for me, there is an undergoing of, uh, there's a transformation that happens. And I hate fucking rushing to get in drag. It's, you know this, I hate it so much. So I allow myself way too much time on a perfect day when I, you know, have the option to do so. I allow myself too much time because there is a crossing of the river sticks that happens. And, uh, and something happens when you're in drag that is more than just the sum of its parts. There's some sort of energy that is unlocked or released. So I, I think it has to do with the clothes. And like you said, the leather thing, I mean, there's people have entire conventions and lifestyles around, around leather or around furry you know, it's sort of like a superhero costume or like a superhero identity where like someone I, um, when I started making leather stuff, I wanted to know 
what people wanted. So mm -hmm. I started following a lot of people in the pup play community on Facebook and they all have these like identities, like I'm pup gizmo or pup, whatever your pup name is going to be. Pup Helios. And they have, exactly. <laughs> so they have, um, they have all of these, it's like, a, it's exact. I think it's exactly like a drag persona. Um, perhaps yeah. there's more performance in, in drag, but you know, yeah, I more think it's all, it's all, it's all related. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. More leather, less makeup. Yeah. <laughs> right. And yeah. I mean, dress, dressing up is something that, like, you you hear so many variations of stories mm -hmm. where, like, oh, yeah, found my mom's or my grandmother's clothes and I had a fantasy. And I'm, anyone found of any my gender. Grand, found or my uh, like, grandfather's you know? assless chaps. Right. What? Go what about Found my chaps? grandfather's assless chaps. Oh, wow. <laughs> Sam, I think you might want to see your mental health professional, your mental wellness yeah, professional like about that. <laughs> but, you know, like dress up and then like the rights of, of makeup and transforming your face and like it's it it's it's perennial. Like okay. no one will no one's going to get bored with it unless what you do or what you create is getting uh, maybe too rote, right? Too predictable, and then you change it up. It really is like such a, it's such a, a specific example of like what any person like Oprah, or Lady Gaga, or Deepak Chopra, or Marianne Williamson, any spiritual teachers, like you are a co-creator, co-creator in your life. Now, a very logistical way to do that is to change the way you dress change the way your face looks, change the color of your hair. Mm -hmm. You may have tattoos or piercings and all these things that take you on the journey of self-discovery. So here we are at drag in a time where like self-discovery is being so supported, but we have some forces around the world that are also, that still want to undercut it. So they're in, I think we can, uh, I can safely say for myself that I find drag to be a form of activism, and I certainly agree it's magical, it's metaphysical in our urban spaces and elsewhere. It's like one of the last forms of shamanism, which is why, like, how many times have you gone to, like, a drag show for the first time or so, and you're like, these are scary, weird sex clown monster creatures. I, say, I don't I know what they're going to do. I've never had they're bashing. Myself. They are. And <laughs> They are, and I quote, mashing their, their mouths to other people's music. Or they sing live, which I think brings it actually much more down to earth, which is why historically a lot of drag, say in the UK, maybe in Europe, has centered around the sort of underground cabaret like Marlene Dietrich. There'd be like right. gender, gender variant folks singing. And because anyone could dress up and sing. That's like Handsome Jeremy. I dress up and I sing and I play instruments. So I can, I can do it without a wig and, and corset optional and heels optional. But, you know, you transform the way your body feels and looks and boom, magic. You could take yourself to another lifetime, to another culture which is kind of a strange and it can be a dicey deal, but we do have that power. We do have that choice. Yes. So yeah. 
with that, why don't we take a quick break and we will be back with more A Fairly Queer Podcast with Sam and Jeremy and Alaska. Our special guest, Alaska. All right. We'll see you in a moment after these delightful messages and or musical interludes. Oh, welcome back, everyone. Thank you for allowing us that refreshment for ourselves and yourself as well. So, Sam, um, and wonderful, exciting, exuberant. I love the word exuberant. It's my 2020 word. An exuberant topic that sparks joy amongst all of us is um, our love of animals. Yeah, fuzzy things. They're my favorite. Oh, yeah. Yeah, queer spirit and animal love. When we were on our break, um, I had asked Alaska about the fact that she had just gone on safari because you both were in South Africa recently for a tour, right? Indeed. Yes. Yes. Wonderful time. And I was very jealous because I'm a horse lover and zebras are essentially like fancy donkeys and and, (laughs) or fancy horses because there's different types of zebras that... Um, can be more like horses or more like donkeys. So, I are you saying that zebras are on a spectrum. Zebras are on a spectrum. Yeah, like a grevy zebra. That's more horse-like. So a little yes. zebra factoid. But yeah, was your safari life-changing? Yeah, it was. It was really amazing and uh, and just really inspiring to be to be in fucking Africa. Like it was just. It was really amazing and it stays with me and i i felt really uh energized and inspired being out there um we got to see an amazing array of animals indeed there's the big five which people kept referring to which i believe is okay elephants yep rhinos Mm -hmm. lions um Uh, is it are the leopards 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 and giraffes? Maybe. Probably giraffes. But like, okay. The, so those are like the movie stars of the animal, you know, that, <laughs> that you go over there hoping to see. And we saw most of them. We didn't True. see any leopards, which... Which is very disappointing, I'm well, sure. There's well, always that have time. your song, Everything Must Be Leopard Print, so I'm sure you were extra excited to see some leopards. Very much, she but... Was looking for her spirit animal. <laughs> yeah, but the region where we were, the reserve we were on, I, I think they said there were only literally four leopards that live there. So it's... I mean, it's huge. It's a... It's an entire, like, region that we're talking about. So the likelihood we knew was very small of seeing a leopard. But I did learn that leopards live in trees, which I did not know. And I think is really cute. Um, I was really impressed by, I mean, of course, we saw, like, the white rhino, which is just, like, a majestic, huge, gorgeous thing. Is that, like, a rhino with, with, like, albinism? Or is it just a type of rhino? 
It's no. like the type of rhino you yeah. think of. The like, yeah. gr- the gray. The light, the light yeah. gray, the lighter gray. Cause I guess the black rhinos are just deeper, darker gray. Yeah. But they're very endangered uh, because people from all over the world want to go and cut off their horns and poach them and kill them for fun, which I, I can't understand. It's really fucked up, but they're endangered. And so it was lovely. We got to see them. Uh, I was I was really impressed by the animals that sort of the the people who live over there are just sort of like yeah who who gives a fuck about those like the impala the impala they're you like were, deer they were getting into the impala oh yes I know these ones they are striped right the well they have, big ears. They have accents they have like markings they're like yeah. brown and they have the really straight pointy horns. So they basically are these gorgeous deer with huge black eyes and like black eyeshadow. I I felt like the Impala was my spirit animal, which is funny because I kind of am afraid of deer. So I don't know how I know that, but I do. You yeah. are afraid of deer, aren't you? I'm because afraid. you must have said it in your on your podcast where you don't like anything that's big and stupid i believe it was <laughs> which is hilarious <laughs> yeah i i stand by that yeah and also have... you mentioned the zebras yeah i love zebras oh, and and our guide was sort of like oh yeah there's a bunch of fucking zebras over there whatever uh let's go find some real animals but like they're so their markings are so gorgeous oh it's not just black and white honey no, there's They're like black and white and gray. Oh, they have like secondary gray stripes. They are stunning creatures who are playful, give you some really sharp looks. Like we had a we had a numerous dazzles of mm-hmm. zebras. They're called a dazzle. A group yeah. of zebra is called a dazzle. Like, oh. come on, girls, do you believe in love? Our like, guide called them donkeys in pajamas. It's kind of it's kind of true. They're very donkey like. The, the key difference, um, as far as I know, about uh, zebras and other equines like horses and donkeys mm-hmm. is, and one of the reasons why I'm surprised your guy didn't say this actually. Uh, the main reason why zebras were never domesticated is because they don't they're not packs in the sense that horses are packs, where horses will have like an alpha mare and an alpha stallion. Um, okay. They, the only reason they travel in packs is for survival, and that's it. They don't have any st- like structure of one being more powerful or more important than any other. They're all they're in, all in it for themselves, but they uh, just travel so that they won't get killed by lions as easily. So, oh, yeah, on hierarchical equine. Wow, I don't see people riding around at you know. The horse tracks well, it on goes zebra. both ways. They they have their chosen, they have their chosen dazzles, and like if they want to go on their own or meet meet new dazzles, then they can go and find new dazzles. How very oh. how fairly queer of zebras. Yes. <laughs> yes. Now, I um. I loved our lion experience because it was mm. close up and extremely casual for what I was expecting. What were you expecting? Well, it to I, maul somebody or eat a eat an antelope? No, choke, choke, no, but I but I thought they would. I thought they would really be like you humans, like go away. 
I thought they would like be like, I thought they would act more like the male elephants did. The male elephants were testy. They were like, they were I haven't little, had like, my elephant coffee yeah. in the morning, and you need to stay away. And they were <laughs> huffing and gruffing. But like the male line that was kind of hanging out, kind of mildly roaring, this like kind of a wake up thing. And then the lioness was just sitting there on the grass, chilling. It's like, yeah. I, I don't know if they were playing a courtship game, but it was a very suave and they're very smooth, smooth operators, the lions. So they were yeah. very magical, very memorable for me to like see lions behaving in like such a, such a sophisticated way. I mean, any cat lover knows that cats are sophisticated creatures, but have these big feline creatures, just like, yeah, I'm here. Roar. Hey, lioness. Mm. Come and, come and, come and cash me out behind this bush. <laughs> like it was, it was pretty surreal. I think it's always a really surreal experience when you get to experience a whole ecosystem of animals in their own habitat. Yeah. Just doing what they do. Like I mentioned before, when I went snorkeling in Hawaii, I just was like, oh my goodness, I can't believe, like, as far as we've fucked this planet up, I cannot believe that this still exists. And it was just yeah. absolutely breathtaking. Did you have, like, a similar experience seeing all these animals just living their life? And also, I, I mean, it brings up more of, like, all the things that are happening in terms of climate change that, like, wow, I can't believe that we are playing a role in this not existing for, for very yeah, much longer. Endangerment. Yeah, endangerment. Yeah, endangerment of ourselves and the animals and plants and the delicate balance of nature. Now, Ms. Alaska, do you remember when I said, I'm gonna need to get that video from you later because this moment is giving it to me right now? Was it the elephants bathing? Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was so cute. Like uh, like the first, the first um, morning of safari. Like we got to see how many days did you do safari? Thing. By the way, we like had three. Like we had we had like a, our first morning, our first afternoon, afternoon, and then a second morning. We were like, we're here, we're not leaving till the afternoon, so we might as well just like wake up again early, pull ourselves out, and see see what we'll see. But um, do you want to talk about your experience with the elephants? They were really cute. They were like bathing. So they were like bathing in a big like mud pit. And so they were just getting themselves all wet and sort of spraying and um, splashing about. And then once they got all wet, then they walked across the street to like the dust area and they grab well, dust they off dust the pack. ground and throw the dust all over themselves. Just, it was, it was very like when you powder your face yeah. uh, after putting yeah. on foundation yeah, and I because they were like, I don't know, maybe it's protective. I'm not sure right, what the from, reasoning uh, is from biting insects. Yeah. So they're like, I'm going to go ahead and cover myself in dust now, Diva. Most most animals, with the exception of cats, actually, who like to be really super clean, like Mm -hmm. to be be dusty. Even like with horses, you'll see horses rolling around. It's they like it further back. But also, you know, it's just a little dust bath, just a little dust bath, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It was it was just quite incredible. I'm like, okay, I I have done my 
safari camera thing with the rhinos and the lions, which were magnificent, but like the elephants. There was like a matriarchal elephant mm-hmm. who was just staring at us, just eating like a <laughs> master class, <laughs> chilling out, pulling. She, you know, she just like, she like just kind of st- sticks like her her toes, like she digs her yeah. toenails into the earth to loosen up the grass and, and the shrubs and the roots. And then she just pulls it and then she lays it like halfway up inside inside her trunk. It was like this curling technique mm-hmm. that goes along. So it kind of like so she can kinda of like prepare like maybe dust off a little loose loose dirt. And then in it goes. And she was just doing this for like a good 15, 20 minutes. We just sat there and watched her kick the ground, pick up the little bit of salad, put it in her mouth, <laughs> do it again, do it again. I, I, she, she looked really annoyed and like over it. I just imagine her saying like, do you know how like, much oh, fucking grass I have to eat for this for fucking huge body? You know, <laughs> right? Like so many of these big, big animals, just like we learn about the dinosaurs, were herbivores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which Elephants, is like crazy. They had to maintain all of that with simple, with simple greens, like gorillas and their grass and their plants. Yeah, and also okay. animals like that have evolved the very, very specific diet, like pandas. I think yeah. it's pandas, right? They only eat eucalyptus leaves. That's why they're so lethargic. I think I might be wrong. Bamboo? Uh, I think it's eucalyptus. I might be wrong. Don't I'm not koalas an eat eucalyptus? Yeah, koalas oh, it's koalas. Yeah, that's what I meant. Koalas. Yeah. Koalas yeah. are stoned all the time. We did also have an animal experience during the comedy tour in Australia. Now, it wasn't yeah. the safari, but some animal handlers brought us some uh, native Australian creatures yeah. who we were able to interact with. Did you have a favorite animal in Australia? Um, well, I like snakes. Snakes oh, tend snake. to be really like chilling and relaxing for me because they're just very, they're very, it's like touching a, a stone, you know, how you get a like a vibe stone. from a, from certain types of stones. Mm-hmm. I find that snakes are extremely relaxing and they just like take you down to your like base chakra and it's because they're like on the ground all the time. So it's very just like that earth vibration. Did I you? Love that. Did you have a kinship with snakes before the whole um, the whole uh, thing with All Stars? Like, was it just like, oh, okay, they're calling me Queen of Snakes? Well, great, because I I already really like snakes. Or was no. did you start to, did you start to explore snakes more than found out? Hey, I really like snakes. After they were trying I to did. expose you as the Queen of Snakes. Yeah, it it was like, one of the gifts already that came the out of. Snakes. Yeah, no, I I didn't really, I was kind of scared of them, and I thought they were scary and gross, but one of the gifts of going through that whole experience was I got to, like, experience snakes, because I was like, I'm going to do a photo shoot, and then I got to, like, hang out with them a little bit, and they're actually really cool. But I prefer being, like, the thing about safari is you you're going to their turf. Yeah. yeah so, like, absolutely. there's something, there's something you can't, replicate because like you're a guest it, right if you're in a city and they bring you a, you know they bring you a snake a who, which is lovely like they're really cute but it was the whole experience of being like out there and it's i mean your your senses are heightened because yeah. it's like this is dangerous as fuck 
because if they decide it's over for you, bus full of people, yeah, then like they're hungry, that's, they're angry, they got that's into a it. fight. So it was very, uh, it was very fucking inspiring and uh, uh, invigorating and yeah. It is really, really cool. I want to hang just, out with elephants more. Yeah. It just goes to show you, though, um, where I think a lot of people, especially with horses, and I know that you like horses as well, Alaska. I um, do. Um, yes, trust me. We definitely have that in common. Yeah, <laughs> your horse, horse girl. Pisces horse, our Pisces horse kinship is there. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people are really afraid of horses because they're big and powerful. But... Yeah, they don't usually unless they've had really poor training and have developed bad habits through, you know, abuse or just a, a crappy trainer, which is a form of abuse, too. They yeah. don't usually like act erratically out of nowhere where they're just going to like, you know, run over you. They want their food. They want scratches. They want to be outside and eat some grass. And yeah, that, you know as long as you're not invading an animal's space and disrupting it, they're not typically going to screw with you. So um, yeah. Yeah, that's a nice, that's a nice takeaway is that, Hey, like we're in, we're a guest in this animal's environment. And as long as we're not disruptive, then they're fine for the most part. And it's like that balance is maintained because it, it's when you put that environment out of balance then that's when shit goes down so it's yeah. very calming to be out in nature and be like uh this is all a perfectly fucking balanced ecosystem going on here it was that's really inspiring and yeah africa's amazing so sam do we think it's time for another break to let ourselves yes. have a refreshing moment we'll be right back with more of a fairly queer podcast that's fairly with an F and A and E and E, just in case. Yes, in a fairly short amount of time. Thanks, everyone. We'll be right back. Bye. And more delicious, scrumptious, nutritious material here at a fairly <laughs> queer podcast. Now, this is very the exciting. Faces. I'm loving the faces. <laughs> <laughs> well, after I'd say my fourth cup of tea, I feel very ang Anglo, uh, Anglo frisky. There's a lot of tea. So, shout out to our friends who are the tea drinkers. And it's around mm -hmm. tea time here. And speaking of our wonderful uh, supporters abroad, the most glorious and beautiful uh, Florida has um, brought her Patreon to an astounding level of support. So I've just done her astrological chart. It was really fun to do. Mm, um, I'm looking forward to giving Florida a exemplary tarot reading soon. So Florida, thank you so much for being part of this fairly queer chosen family and tribe. And I'm going to read the two questions you have for Ms. Alaska. 
for our inaugural episode. So, the first question is, Alaska. My goal for this year is to try my hand at hosting at local drag shows or local Mm -hmm. shows. But in previous experience, I completely clam up and can't seem to work a crowd. The confidence I've gained singing and performing in general seems to disappear when I have to speak. What advice do you have or tips do you have on uh, becoming more comfortable speaking on the mic, hosting? Um, Any advice is greatly appreciated. Okay. Um, Hi, Florida. Um, uh, uh, Florida is a a really supportive uh, uh, performer um who comes to a lot of our shows in the uk so hey flo how's it going so good to talk to you um this is a great question and the advice i can give you is that first of all it's a skill that uh develops over time so don't beat yourself up if it's not great at first i had the experience of hosting the drag shows at the blue moon for years And so that was really where I learned how to speak to a a room full of people. And the biggest tip I can give you is that it's you really don't have to talk that much because honestly, and you mentioned like trying to work the crowd and it's it's really not about working the crowd. The host is there as a functional uh, uh, capacity. Yes, you are there to say the name of the next person to ask how the audience is doing to get them to cheer for the person who's about to come on stage and for the person who just came off stage. That is the function of the host. Nobody wants to hear your, you know, freestyle about trying to make people like uh, uh, trying to make people laugh with, with jokes. They really don't. They, they're they not interested. They're interested in what is coming next. So really your job is to uh, give appreciation to the person who just performed and get, get them to cheer for the person who is about to take the stage. That is the function. That is the job. So that's my answer. All right. If if I may bring to you the little, mic, babe. A, if I may bring a, a a a little cherry on top of encouragement, Florida is that like the some of the magic of hosting. I love hosting. When I when I was when I was a houseboy here in, in more in 2014, 2015, some of 2016. I occasionally did drag and it was a way for me to get out of the house because I was depressed and I loved hosting because you you can be conversational. You don't have to try to like with hosting. It's not about trying or being an alpha. Think of the dazzle of zebras. <laughs> We're all out there like watching each other being observant and having a good time. So I think being a good host is being having the positive like empathy and empathic qualities of like if you're not performing, you the only thing like she says, you're paying attention to when the song is beginning, ending, and you're kind of doing an energy check. You see how people are responding to the performer, you watch the performer, you watch the audience, and if you get to mill about 
in the pub or in the theater a little bit and you ask questions. I mean, you can literally think of, of can I ask you a question from the Alaska show is a great way. You, you can monitor that, but that also, as she says, takes time and courage and we're all, we all fail. Sometimes I fail miserably. There's times where I'm a little drunk and I get my dander up and I think I want to do a, a 60 second sketch comedy no. or no, <laughs> it, it, it fails. It has to be in the moment from the heart and generally, as she says, concise. So that's my, my blessing and my little addendum to I, yes, I agree. answer one. And I, and I also agree me. with you. I don't so, host. I only travel, so I can't give you any advice. I I loved what you said, Jeremy, about um, keeping it positive because that's something I also learned on the microphone hosting drag shows. Was I would uh, in the beginning I would try to like read the girl who 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 just went or like try and say something sassy or cunty about the person who was coming up, and the audience didn't want that they they literally didn't buy it and it, it was it sort of sucked the energy out of the room so keeping <laughs> it positive is really important that's yeah. why i pretty much say the same fucking thing whenever i'm introducing anyone <laughs> i'm like please meet and greet at this time she's beautiful she's stunning she's talented she's incandescent and bring her out yeah even if you have no idea who the fuck she is She's in can fucking Dessa. Yes, she 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 got up in the drag. They got up in the drag. They got up in the drag. They tried. We tried. We are doing drag. Yes. So give a hand. All right. Let's What's move the other question? to question number two. I've reduced my social media presence quite a bit because I just yes, don't feel so comfortable anymore. But I still find that I miss certain aspects of it. I was wondering if you ever find it difficult uh, to have social media breaks and how you go about it. P.S. Alaska, thank you for helping me to also realize that social media isn't real. Mm-hmm. Sending love to you all. Hope to see you soon. Love, Florida. I think that's a huge, uh, I, and uh, that's why we gave you a round of applause. I mean, social media is not real. I don't believe that it is necessary to live. It we we lived, believe it or not, we lived full lives before we had social media. I barely touch Facebook. If I had. Facebook is a really toxic, dangerous tool that is insidiously like undermining the entire world. So and also uh, depriving people of privacy. It's just an information farm to sell you shit at this point. Yes, it is. And it has gotten to the point where it's now influencing our elections, which is, which is actually influencing yeah. our entire like day to day lives. So it's. Uh, it's really dangerous, and I think that I, I encourage anybody to just stay the fuck off Facebook. Oh, yeah. You, you do not have to broadcast every thought or feeling, every emotion that you have, every response to any piece of culture you have. You do not have to broadcast it with a megaphone instantly on anything. You don't have to. If you're fuck, if you just got a shower and you got out of the fucking shower and you look really fucking great naked in the mirror, you do not have to... <laughs> 
show show the world you okay can... i literally just did that so i feel it's very okay now. <laughs> it's okay as long as you are you are empowered by it and it is not the the tail wagging the dog you don't mm -hmm. have to do it yeah and you will be fine if you don't your your world will not cease to exist if you choose not to participate in this constant sharing and oversharing and sort of hyperbolic sharing of opinions and inner thoughts. It, you don't have to. So I think it's great to take breaks from social media. I barely use it. And when I do use it, I like to look at it as like a video game. So mm -hmm. like I, you know, video, Video games are, um, they can be really fun and they can be a way to take your mind off, you know, your troubles. Or it can be like you're doing it way too much and then you get addicted to it and then you, you can't see your life without it. So I think it's important to stay ahead of the game mm -hmm. and realize that it is just a game yeah. and play it like a game. So then it's fun. And it's not like I have to keep up with this thing or like I'm not going to, that's, that's just not good behavior. Just go out and see the fucking sun and see somebody right. face to face. That's better. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, the universe the seems to like the control. unpredictability factor. So anything that's got algorithms is uh, is maybe not maybe not the the path we want to focus on primarily. I don't really want to say anymore. I think I think Alaska is done. A magnificent yeah. job of really bringing it down to it. I have too much trouble with Instagram. I just stopped calling it my office. It's just, I mean, the T is I live with a wonderful person right now, but I don't live in the middle of the humdrum of LA. And so, like, when I'm trying to feel connected, this is a deep psychological tool. How many psychologists are getting paid at least six digits? to oh, yeah. make sure that we stay on these things. Be awakened to the the magic of human connection. Like she said, be awakened to the universe loving the unpredictable. And if, and if we aren't in a state of gratitude about when we're on social media, it's probably a good idea to just have a cup of tea, decaf or not, uh, and, and enjoy some quiet moments and connect Make sure that technology connects us human to human and not just avatar to avatar, right? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. And so with that, I would like to show gratitude to Florida and Gael and Janina, Kate, the intrepid Perpetua, the magnificent Lisa Johnson, um, uh, the great and powerful Golden Lasky, and GR, please tell me who you are, GR, because you're a really cute Patreon kitty avatar. But please make yourself known so we can thank you in the fullest of your, of your chosen or given name. Thank you all for being our Patreon uh, family. And we look forward to serving you, giving you so many podcast sonic looks, sonic feels, and useful, uplifting, and radicalizing love formation. You see how I said love formation, not just information. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Pew, pew, pew. I like that. All right. <laughs> Sorry. So, um, My Britney Spears moment. <laughs> so, Sam, you were curious about uh, some of our biographical um, 
Tapestry, perhaps. Yes. Well, I mean, okay. So Carol King. Um, so Jeremy and Alaska have. Uh, so actually, I should. I, people that have listened to us since episode one will already know this, but the way I discovered Jeremy was through Amethyst, which was an album that I really enjoyed. And I, when my dog Luna died, I listened to. Um, I'm having a brain fart. Uh, I listened to what's that song that I really like by you? So far gone, don't you? Yeah, so far gone, over and over and over again because it spoke to me so much. So when uh, Jeremy and I were both at Magical Queer Witch Camp, um, as it's called on this podcast for an an, an anonymity sake, um, I was like, "Oh, is that Jeremy?" So I popped in and I talked to him. So I've always been sort of aware jeremy is both my friend and he is and i you know i'm a fan like i'm a fan of both of you i'm a fan of your bodies of work and i admire i admire your ability to oh is my volume too high sorry i no, admire no i was doing that body the body body your god it's just come what to that I, point what am i gonna do with come you, to that jeremy? point yeah. Um, but I I admire your ability to collaborate, and I admire your ability to um, collaborate while still not wanting to kill each other, or at least from what I understand. Oh, not oh, we, and, we have our therapeutic and and personal ways of keeping the delicate balance of the elements. Yeah. Well, tell us yeah. a little bit about that, though. How do you collaborate artistically without strangling each other in your sleep? I think we've rarely come to a point of wanting to strangle each other. No, I don't no. know that it has... it's really kind of the uh, kind of the opposite. I think, at least for me, I can say kind of some of the some of the lifeblood, the real blood and marrow of my close relationships, mm-hmm. are kind of project based. And as yeah. I get older, it's like sometimes I worried about that, but it's like also like when you have close friends, you have to trust that time away is intentional and meaningful time away. And that when you want to be with each other, you want to be with each other. Like for my part, like it's it's an adult concern that like there's so many people that I love out there that I have gotten really close to, but I've traveled and I've moved around. So like, I I don't always trust the, the connection, but as long as we've known each other and as long as we've been We've been creating things together, whether it's just an adventure, you know, or whether it's a cabaret or whether Mm -hmm. it's Amethyst Journey or whether it's, uh, you know, her putting me on the spot for 15 minutes in the Alaska show to make a mega mix happen. Like a lot of my a lot of my closest relationships, the the marrow of it is in doing something together, making creative babies together because it's a focus, it's the ability to see someone's soul and their abilities shine through. It's the trust that happens because what comes out of someone isn't always perfect the first or the fifth time, but you let it be like all those things that we wanna practice with maybe romantic partners or, or with our blood family. Like the unique thing is when you're a creative person, you have, and you have the ability to do that with someone, like you get to see, you get to see moments and, and, and cycles of fullness 
of that person that a YSO is going to love and respect and hold space for. So that's like my prologue about like how most of my friends are Pisces and we work <laughs> on things together and we keep our relationships uh, close by the nature of our collaboration hey. and our creativity synergizing. Alaska. Yeah. I mean, I I feel really lucky that, you know, we came into each other's lives because, uh, I don't know. I mean, we, I, I, I don't think we can ignore that we have a really similar sort of background and mm -hmm. like upbringing like we're both yeah. from pennsylvania yeah we're, we're all from pennsylvania oh, we're, <laughs> we're PA. all PA represent. sorry i had to poke that one in there <laughs> of course yeah we're we're constantly finding things about our family or about our history that we sort of have in common yeah and i i mean i don't know that's of course probably why we became friends and why we continue to I, I don't know uh maybe that has something to do with it and we also have developed a language over so many years of working together so we it it almost gets it almost gets easier to continue to collaborate because with each collaboration we develop a language and right. you know an encyclopedia and of references a lexicon yeah totally of, of, of i was i was warned about the feeling. golden girls references before we began just oh, in case yeah. i'm not as I'm, i've seen the show many times but i i'm not as um I'm, I'm not as experienced as the two of you. So Jeremy was like, just beware. There might be a lot of Golden there, Girls there references. Might, might might get be lost. A, a language <laughs> full of, full of girl, Golden Girls-isms. It'll yeah. always be there. So you can always, you, you know. Can, you can always check in. I'm jealous of people who don't have a lot of Golden Girls knowledge because that means there's episodes you haven't seen. I mean, we'll for me. To together sometimes, Jeremy. Oh my yes. God. Yes, to we shall. We to shall. how I fantasize about them finding a vault somewhere and they open it and there's like a canister of an episode that never made it or, to air. Or, or documentary footage of them backstage. Anything. If I they just, did a reboot, uh, if they did a reboot, would you be upset or would you be elated? If they did it right, I, I would love it. Like Golden it's Girls, so but they're like 21. Like it's, it's so, they tried well, to do that with Sex in the City, remember? <laughs> well, and Sex in the City was its own special moment. I, it's so hard because the, these were women in their fifties and sixties, and yes. women in their fifties and sixties now look so different, and like the the perspective is way different about women and aging. Uh, uh, it, it's not like your career and your love life are over at you know. 40 which is how hollywood so used to be yeah. it's still kind of that way but it's getting it's getting better and sort of expanding but like the the reason the golden girls was so special was because these women it was they in hollywood they were considered it was over like that's yeah. it right you, you can you can play a somebody's grandma and yeah. have two lines it maybe and so to put four of them together and give them roles that are like empowered and sexy and funny and uh, independent is it was a special moment. Yes. I, I fucking love it.
So we do cultivate we only... the the qualities and the virtues, and maybe some of the even some of the in insidious uh, 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 interplay of the Golden Girls, because I think like they they like. I think B. Arthur described them as four points on a compass. So it's like a full circle moment from mm-hmm. our first section. It's like someone's someone's varying their feelings. Someone's trying to be very logical. Someone's trying to be uh, overly intellectual. Someone is brass tacks only. But the way that they all interact with each other is like someone's uh, like Dorothy's kind of earthy. And so like we... We look for like the earthy friend who's just like grounded, but maybe needs to have more fun in their life and <laughs> is too like habitual. So there's the other more volatile sub substances within the folks, people who are emotionally over hyperactive or high or underactive or imbalanced or like someone who needs the emotional support. Like the Golden Girls is a very interesting kind of matrix it is a way of life and we do have a show which i think is one of our most um personally beloved shows is our yeah um, i saw some photos on of it on golden, instagram recently on where you Girls. were wearing a cowboy hat and a mustache i believe was that recent oh yeah right now i mean i don't know when this episode comes out but right now i'm doing uh i in a run of the golden girls starring Jackie B and Sherry Vine. Um, and they do it here in Los Angeles. And, uh, I get to play two male characters in there two different episodes. A, a hilarious meme on Instagram. I'm sure that the only golden Lasky or someone like that posted it, but it was you when you were on drag race with the BB. Yeah. And it was something to the effect of like, do you remember this person? This is them now feel old yet. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm feeling my drag king fantasy because I'm in full drag. I'm wearing lashes. I'm in full makeup, hair. I I wear a fake padded body to give myself a more, like, masculine build. Was it Buffalo Bill? Buffalo Bill's Barnyard Buddies. Mm. (laughs) You're born naked and the rest is drag. I was wearing lashes. Good. I was in drag. But uh, were you were you wearing nails? Um, oh, I don't think I was. So there it is. Gotcha, gal. That was like at least fifty Drag Race references in the past five seconds. So I think we've hit a proper quota for today's episode. Of course. Uh, wheeling back to what we were talking about before, though, two things. So we talked about um, sort of these hidden languages that are created towards friend, which is definitely something you know. My friend Howard and I have often talked about this, where. You know, if you know someone long enough, you have all of these things that, you know, whether or not they're inside jokes or just things that have meaning just for the two of uh, the two of you. Do you think that when you created Amethyst, that was an expression of your hidden language together? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know if it's like hidden so much, but it, it's it's a bi- it's a biographical document. Because like, it would the, the three things I will, yeah, the, the, the three things I'll generally point out, and then we can kind of inter intermingle our experiences is that, like, when I was in grad school and we were living on Laurel Avenue and Genesee Avenue in West Hollywood in, in, 
in the baby Alaska, me at UCA, well, UCLA Musicology uh, period, which was roughly 10 years ago. <laughs> Time. Uh, but um, like she got me into the Buddhist readings of Pema Chodron and I was very like angry at Christianity and religion up to that point. So like she gave me a book on Buddhism and I read it and eventually I started like bothering to do any kind of meditation and that in combination with like us having our our like fun chill out end of the end of the night like we would have a toke and I would get the keyboard out and we would sing and play Fleetwood Mac or anything else that was like on our I like a lot of pointer sisters went on on and off you were on and off with Britney Spears, more like on for a good while when we were living together. Still a lot of Britney, mm-hmm. but just like a, a whole hodgepodge of like of like our evening social time as roommates together from like 2007, uh, summer 2007 to the to the summer of 2009, and so yeah. like we still like these things and. And um, we, when we were roommates, I, we would go to San Francisco a lot. So San Francisco and the San Francisco drag scene and the queer, like, the queer nature conscious, like, out of, out of the mainstream kind of folks were folks we hung out a lot with and Radical Fairies in Brooklyn. And then we did two chakra cabarets. One was in a garden called Le Petit Versailles in 2010, right about on my birthday. And then we did one just like at 2017, 2018, just a little redux. Um, and I think it was seven, 2017. So like, we've always cared about like some sort of spirituality and finding a creative space to like for to be queer and spiritual so that's that's like my that's like my opening and my first yeah. chapter so amethyst is really the kind of the crystallization of those experiences and perspectives yeah yeah um so you had mentioned previously uh in the first section about your desire to want to do things more locally right mm-hmm. um i have you know i have i'm not a touring artist spoiler alert but i've definitely felt this i know right yeah i mean i'm my name is sam smith so you would think but um you uh i've lived in several several different places and i always think like oh god like i really miss my friends in you know new york or i really really miss my friends in new orleans uh is that part of it for you where you're you think okay like you know i want to be able to experience the people whom I've become very close with more often like is it is it hard to be a traveling artist and not get to see people that you really care about or in that sense having Jeremy or having someone on the road with you is that is that a huge incentive to be able to continue having that connection while you're on the road I'm not sure if I'm articulating that properly sure it's like finding family like finding yeah, family exactly. and finding your home wherever because for me i live in are. kentucky and part of the reason i moved to kentucky is because i needed to be grounded i needed to know that my relationships weren't going anywhere or i wasn't going anywhere and and that you know uh i just needed i needed to establish some roots uh is that part of you wanting to do more stuff in san francisco or excuse me in la <laughs> whoa <laughs> yeah 
I mean, yeah. good in LA. Yeah. 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 Uh, and I mean, it's been very amazing having Jeremy along with me to travel. Uh, it's great because we get to make music together, but also just because, I don't know, I, we, uh, he helps keep me sane and happy and connected. Travel. It's a delicate balance yeah. out there. Like there's, there's yeah. like there's nothing in touring by no knowing that you're in different, uh, different uh, time zones, and yeah. your sleep gets all screwed up, and then your hormones get all screwed up, and you just know that like, the best the best you can do is just like, is it together time or is it away time? Or too bad, I know it's not together time, but we've got a sound check or like. I'm going to take care of these things because now is not the time for questions, but like, Oh, actually I do need some clarity. It's like, it's, it's, it's not easy. It's not easy to be the person in the front in the, in the front lines with all of those things going through your body and your psyche. And it's also like not easy, like knowing, knowing when to be gentle and when someone can't be gentle it's like sometimes she needs something from me and because of my hormones uh, like I'm I'm out on left field and you have to be able to like get the shit you need done to and also be very forgiving because there's going to be times where like we aren't going to be in a good mood. And that's and that's then that's no fun when your best friend's not in a good mood because one of our hormones is off. I don't always sleep very well on tour. Uh-huh. You know, and it's just things that you accept and like we have to work through our stressors and like I know I've been having postpartum like, oh, yeah, I ha- I don't have to go anywhere, but I have to retrain my brain and and my hormones to ground and to be with one another in a way where none of those stressors are hanging around and they like to hang around simply because of the habit of doing them over and over again. So that's why, like, being local is a blessing. Having time to just bleep and hang out and not have to worry about the logistics of of some sort of of touring thing where we're just pulling things out of suitcases and and something doesn't work and someone, someone has to be terse, but someone has to take the take a certain role and and like keeping the the team and the brand on point like it's it's a team family effort right. so i'm happy and proud and love to do it but you've got to have you've got to have the balance or else it's just like you you just kind of just like okay what are we doing how are we who are we and it and it just that's that's where like yeah. you have to know when to give someone their space. We usually so what's, like... what's, what's your experience, Alaska, with, with that type of balance in terms of balancing, you know, your, your career with your friendships? And is, do you feel a certain amount of strain or pressure in terms of, of that? I hope this isn't like too deep of a question. I apologize. But I, I, do, I do find it interesting because I, I know like that for me, having my relationships are the most important thing to me and i'd be interested to to know how how the balance works for someone that's uh travels so much well i'm the to look at it from the outside is like 
oh, you're traveling all the time. That mm-hmm. must be so fucking glamorous mm-hmm. and exciting. And that that means you're successful. Wow, that's amazing. But really, the the reality of it is it's it's not fucking work for the faint of heart at all. It's running on fumes. Yep. It's exhaustion. It's stress and it's anxiety and it's it's great in a lot of ways and i love doing shows in other places and i love meeting queens in other places but if that was all the job was then yeah it would be fucking glamorous and lovely but really most of the job is the the grinding work that and moving from one place to another to get to do that that 10 minutes on stage or that hour on stage. And that's the really hard part. And so really the reason that I'm here right now in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and I and I plan to be for a, for a little bit the, at the beginning of this year is because because we were just at a breaking point. We were just on the road and mm-hmm. I was like I can't this is You not, were touring a lot. Jeremy was this, talking about how much yeah, touring it was yeah. going on. It's like this is not this is not I I can't continue to do this. (laughs) It fucking is making me not happy. And so just as like a mental health check in, I was like, I am blocking off X amount of time from moving around and going to the fucking airport. And some people look at me and look at me like, oh, are you quitting drag? Are you retiring? Or, oh. or are you, you can't get Should work? That be the or name of the is episode? your career over? Alaska quitting drag. Right. <laughs> Which right? actually I'm doing, oh, I'm doing drag just as much, mm-hmm. but it's on your own it, terms. It's on our own terms. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a little bit less hectic and it's a little, it's way more enjoyable. And so we're, you know, that's, that's the vibe I'm in right now. And I'm looking forward to going out and getting on the airplane in a few months. But right now I'm really enjoying, like you said, we get to just like hang out and be, be friends. humans and not, and <laughs> every time I come here, it's not like I need to check the merch. Because it's a family business, <laughs> right. and the intertwining of business and pleasure and quality time, there's so many increments of that, and so like, so that's that's why you know it's like I, there's post the postpartum things and and the like. Well, what what am I doing with myself? Oh, I need to have something to do with myself. I'm a fully grown adult. Mm-hmm. woman with talents and desires and and there's a time there's a time to be in collaboration and a time for me to make sure I'm doing things that are healthy for myself because the other thing is is like it's a very similar mode when you're traveling so much you don't really want to do very much when you get back you want to hold up you want to make sure you feel safe You're literally your base chakra. It's like, I can't tell you how much I've integrated the color red into my life because I just needed to feel that sense of groundedness and safety and and security because when you're bouncing around and you're meeting new people and you have to find out 
what level of trust you have with someone. It's an adventure. It's incredible. It's wonderful. But a body and the hormones and the psyche can only take so much. So like, I'm doing local drag with Felony Dodger. I'm playing my ukulele. Um, we're looking at venues for our shows locally. Our local friends have not seen anything. They have not seen the Cher show or the Stevie Nicks show because yeah. it hasn't existed in LA. Mm. Like we have the chance to do the things that we've been doing all over for the people who we've known for decades. So like that makes me really happy. And um, it's just, it's not that extra squeeze. It's like, oh, what, like she said, what kind of fumes are we gonna be doing this on? We, we're not doing it on fumes this winter and spring. There will yeah. be no running on fumes. You know, I get, to, I get to mother her and make salads and, and you know, be, be an Italian, uh, make sure that the food I get her is what she's eating. You know, so I get to, we get to have that dynamic, which is like family. Because family yes. goes through rough times and family gets also to enjoy the fruits of full-blown togetherness for togetherness's sake. Yes. Tea! Well, I'm glad that both of you are having some time to decompress and relax in your home at, off of tour. And Maybe. I'm very glad to Alaska for taking the time to chill out with us today and Kiki on the podcast. Thank uh, you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to be the here. The pleasure is all ours. Um, perfectly lovely, Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, thank you so much. Um, I think this uh, is a good place to end it. Does anyone have any exiting exiting mantras or a oh, final any, to share any, with our lovely audience? Pos- Positive outros, hmm? Ms. Lasger. Um, well, my tea tab says, hold on, <laughs> we're, we're drinking yogi Alaska, tea. what's the tea? It says, experience <laughs> will give you the power and confidence to be you. Okay. I yeah. Like well, let's see if I have Come on, one. universe. I know. That's basically what we were telling Florida, too. Uh, yeah. So, my, sometimes you have to live a it. life steeped in experiences. So. Wow! Oh, trend shit. alert! Trend alert! Experience. My tea doesn't. Yeah. My my tea doesn't have have a tag or any inspiration. But my tea, the tea for my soul is. Um, I am very grateful for the adventures and the ups and the downs and the quiet and the new experiences which are going to make all of us here together in our combinations have a magnificent beautiful and uh stunning 2020 may we all may we all find clarity and joy with one another and in ourselves yes and may we have less audio quality snafus in 2020 as well i'm sending yeah, it out i know we've had to share we've had to share so many things in life and sure. we had to share the microphone because channel two was not um, our was not sparking joy for the recording of this podcast. But we thank you all. We are ever better, ever brighter for you, our fairly queer family. So thank you all for joining us for all this delight. So Sam, thank you yeah. for being our intrepid editor. 
Oh, I try. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. See you, everyone. We'll see you on the next episode.